0: And I'm Hazel.
1: And we're Carrot and Stick. A writing podcast that's all about trying out weird writing advice we find on the internet and seeing if it actually helps us fight writer's block. This week, the five app quickfire. We're trying something new and reviewing some of the apps that we've used for a while and some new apps or apps that are new to us that we tried out for the first time. So why even do this,
0: you ask? Because it can be a challenge to even try a new app. At least that's my thinking. And there are several articles on the internet that would have you believe that the real thing missing from your writing is just the right productivity app to bring it all together. And so we wanted to test that theory.
1: Yeah. And I feel like some of these, like Evernote, like, I don't know about you, but why haven't I used Evernote before now? Like, I needed this challenge to get me to finally download it.
0: (laughs) Full disclosure, you have been a Microsoft Word girl for quite some time. Oh
1: yeah, since, you know, I don't even know, Windows 90? What were the the early Windows versions of Microsoft? A long time. So you've written two novels on Microsoft
0: Word at this point?
1: Yes. And in general, how that horrible organizational scheme looks like is there's a folder and every chapter is a different Word document. And if I need to do a new draft, I would copy and paste that folder and be like, draft two, and then go in and edit everything chapter by chapter. And it just starts getting really messy where you're like, am I on draft six? Why did I make one point called 6.5? Why is there a 6.5? But it's not as recent as draft five. Like, what's happening here? So there are some downsides to just using Word.
0: And then for me, I have been a chronic app hopper since I was very, very young. Um, (laughs) As a child, Hazel just (laughs) leapfrogged between apps. No, it's true. Like... When I was a preteen writing like roleplay posts on Neopets, I would use a combination of WordPad and whatever like hot new writing app there was floating around on the free internet. It has only continued to this day. I
1: liked it. I don't feel like I even knew there were other weird little word processors back in like the 90s, but I guess
0: that makes sense that there were. There's always been something.
1: Yes, uh, listeners should know that Hazel had a really angsty live journal because she had a goth moment
0: oh yeah i had a dead journal actually oh yeah my bad (laughs) so getting back on track um of our apps what were the apps that we decided to review we
1: reviewed ohm writer scrivener hemingway evernote and notion there's probably apps that we missed but oh well also listing those out like wow it sounds pretentious is that a good segue into Ohm
0: Rider? <laughs> oh, did you find that one pretentious? Do tell. Just to give a quick overview, Ohm Rider, the big selling point for this one is that they it makes kind of calming, spiritual-esque noises in the background while you write. Am I I am correct in saying this? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's for blocking out the world. It has like this calming, quote-unquote calming ambiance. And it also features some, like, nice soothing color palettes and a distraction-free interface. And you can guess, by the way that I'm talking, I actually didn't like it that much. Yeah, it's like, picture, if you will, like, a, like your entire
1: monitor is just, like, a watercolor. And there's, like, a text box in the middle that practically, like,
0: disappears into it. That's basically Ohm. So the goal is for it to be non-distracting. But in the end, I end up getting distracted by what a farce the whole thing is (laughs) and I do find the noises distracting actually I'm not the kind of person who enjoys like pattering rain or like crackling fireplaces or stuff like that so I was not super big on this one how about you that's
1: fair I associate um like the pitter patter rain sounds and crackling fireplaces with like noise white noise apps which I sometimes use to fall asleep and so it's like this weird thing where it's like I don't know, for me at least, I would rather be like, uh, fired up to write, more like listening to something like pump-up jams. It's weird to listen to, like, sleepy time music, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want to be put to sleep while I'm trying to write something. (laughs) Not that appealing. The lack of formatting was also kind of weird to me. Like, I really like my structure, or I, like, I get upset sometimes when, like, the font is wrong or something. We'll get into that maybe with Scrivener. Um... But yeah, I felt like the lack of formatting is kind of like almost distracting to me. And like I have this feeling in the back of my head that I'm going to have to like, you know, copy and paste this text somewhere else. So it's almost like adding more work to me.
0: I imagine this tool could be good for some people,
1: but maybe not us. Yeah, I remember um, Ben used it a lot back when it was a free app. Now it is an app that costs you money. I think it's around five to seven dollars for some reason the average because it's like an average donation sort of thing where you have to donate at least like a certain amount anyway for some reason the kind of like android windows version is like five dollars and then the ios version is seven dollars I don't I don't know why I don't know I feel a little bit like you know it's prejudice against my apple products but whatever whatever I paid the seven dollars
0: yeah I got in when it was free that might be why I felt so justified in not continuing with it because I hadn't put anything down to begin with. But I think if you were wanting to commit to buying something like this, then I would recommend trying to simulate the experience, like listening to a calming noise track on YouTube while working in a different uh, distraction-free writing processor and seeing if that actually is something you enjoy. And then if you do enjoy that experience, then maybe Ohmwriter is for you. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it. And then some other free, um, distraction-free writers include things like WriteMonkey or Typora. Um, I use a cheaper distraction-free writer called IA Writer, but um, there are a whole bunch of these available. All you need to do is just search like minimal word processor and you'll find a whole slew. Awesome
1: our next app is Scrivener this one is $49 which I think makes it our most
0: expensive app on the list yeah it's worth mentioning that we both owned it prior to deciding to do this episode
1: it's true while the podcast has made us both incredibly rich um, (laughs) uh, yeah we we both had already owned it so
0: (laughs) we had made that investment in ourselves in the past I feel like I bought it back when it was cheaper, honestly, but I don't—I can't remember clearly enough to say that with any confidence.
1: Because I bought it recently, like January of this year, so like about a year ago, partially because I was like, oh, I'm going to start up on a third book and I clearly need a better organizational scheme than like a bunch of folders that I forget which one's the most recent. Um, why did you decide to
0: invest in Scrivener? Can you remember? I think I was planning on doing NaNoWriMo that year and I thought like it could be an interesting way to try out a software that was designed for large-scale projects, because in general, I don't write things that are that long. I downloaded it, and I took a stab at NaNoWriMo that year, and I think that was the year, well, every year except for one, I've been unsuccessful. So yeah, that was an unsuccessful year. But that, and I was also pretty overwhelmed by how many options there were, like how many different menus and little features that... I was like, this is too complicated to use, and I never really went back to it. That's fair. Yeah, I would say like the biggest
1: con of this app is that it's very complicated, like literally to use it for the first time. You could probably just like click around and try to figure it out. But realistically, you have to kind of read through like a two hour tutorial before you can start using it where it's kind of leads you like via a book that's been generated in Scrivener that you go through chapter by chapter. It like leads you through trying things and like turning certain features on and off and stuff like that. But it's like a commitment, like before you can sit down and use it for the first time, you have to set aside this time to like even figure out how it works.
0: But having gone through that tutorial, do you feel like it was worth it?
1: I do. I definitely do. Um, But I think kind of like you already hinted at, I think only for like long projects, like novels, because. I felt like it was really great for organizing things. Um, Like in, in the past, I also would have like a really like, you know, messy Word document that was like world building. Now I have like a folder with tabs for world building with like different documents for different things. So it's so easy to like search for things and look for the document you're looking for. Um, and like, you can collapse like little folders that have different scenes in them. Like, it's just a really good organizational tool. Like it feels much more manageable to me. And also if you like, there are just some really cool features. Um, like one of them is that you can take snapshots of text. So instead of my old method of like maybe copying the word document and then naming it something that later I would forget why I named it that, uh, you can literally just like click a snapshot icon And, like, name it something like, before I, you know, addressed Hazel's notes, and then if you ever need to restore that, because, like, 90% of the time you don't need to restore these old versions of your work, but, like, you feel more comfortable with them being saved somewhere, you know? So it's like there's a snapshot of it that you could restore at any time, or that you can just look at it if you need to, like, refer to something So I feel like that's like one of the really cool features, for example.
0: Yeah, kind of uniformly across everybody I know who uses Scrivener is that they really like all the features that it provides. Like once you figure out how to use it, you don't have that same feeling of annoyance that you do at the beginning. It can be really powerful
1: for certain things. Like it can also export things really well, which like if you're into self-publishing books, that feels like it's worth its weight in 49 shekels because- like just being able to export it as like a kindle file or even like when i'm sending things to friends to read it's like some people want kindle files some people want word docs so that they can leave comments some people want pdfs and it's like having to like figure out which chapters i'm sending to who in what format like it's so much faster because there's just kind of like a really easy method to convert all of those things very quickly so i feel like it saved me some sanity with that kind of stuff
0: one idea that I had is that if it is awkward for someone to write in a program that's so bulky that you could write in a separate, like, more concentration-based program like Ohm, and then copy that into Scrivener once you're done for editing and for organizational purposes. Yeah, that's true. I could see that.
1: There also is, like, a minimalistic concentration view that I'm forgetting the name of I think it might be called like typewriter view but it's um it's like full screen and the sides of the screen are just kind of black and as you write it like moves up like a typewriter so that it's kind of at your perfect like what your writing's always at the perfect like eyeline for you so anyway I feel like that's kind of cool I don't use that that often but you know could be appealing
0: um as far as I'm aware there's no mobile version of Scrivener yeah I think that's correct So once you have it, it stays on your laptop or desktop. And if you want to be writing on the go, then you'll have to just copy it in or type it in later.
1: Yeah, this is true. And I have done that a little bit, like also via this challenge of like writing something in a notebook and then transcribing it or pulling up my notes app on my phone and then, you know, emailing it to myself or pulling it off of that
0: and like putting it into Scrivener. But overall, I'd say like we're pretty positive on Scrivener for all the stuff it offers.
1: Yeah, I think so. I definitely think um, the only thing is that if somebody's interested in buying it, just make sure that you really want to take the time to learn it. It seems like that sounds pretty essential.
0: Yeah, and as Lizzie can be living testament to, you don't need it to write a novel.
1: Aw, thanks! <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Hemingway! Hemingway! This is a free app. It's an in-browser situation. I don't think that there's like a mobile app for it, but I could be wrong. Hazel? I don't think
0: it's mobile, but they do have a desktop app that you can download.
1: Oh, very cool. I do like the fact that you can like just use it on the internet too, though, if you don't want to like clutter up or you're running out of space or something on your computer.
0: Yeah. And one thing to note is that this is a different kind of tool than Ohm or Scrivener in that it is more geared towards editing than uh, actually writing your thing for the first time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like the way that I think people generally use Hemingway is like, this is my scenario. I will paint a mental picture. You finished writing in Scrivener or Word or whatever you're writing in. It's the 11th hour. There's no one around to give you feedback. Do you even know if what you wrote is good? How can you tell? This is what you do. You go to Hemingway. You paste the text into this app, and then it basically acts like spell check, but for style. Mmm... Oh, do you think
0: of it in a different way? I think of it as, like, a little handy tool that tells you when you are not right and good. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely thought you were just gonna be like, for when you're bad. No, 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 no. It's more like it catches run-on sentences, it catches excessive use of adverbs, it catches when your reading level is higher than it should be for general accessibility purposes, it just does all these lovely things. It catches the passive voice. Yeah, that is one of the coolest functions, I think, is it highlighting passive voice. And it has all these different colored highlights for these things. So you can see exactly what kind of tendencies you have in your work on a visual level. And it's like very
1: pleasant highlights. Like instead of the squiggly underline that we all know from Word, which is can be very like, I don't know, kinda not condescending exactly, but I don't know, it doesn't make you feel good. But Hemingway, it's more like somebody has just taken like a beautiful highlighter. And it's like, oh, this is highlighted red because it's not, you know, incomprehensible, but it's highlighted like a nice shade of pinkish red. And like passive voice is like a nice green shade that's very friendly.
0: And then even better is that it provides little tips for what it wants you to fix. So if you've used a word that is longer than necessary, like utilize instead of use If you hover over the word utilize, it'll say use a simpler word like use. Yeah, I feel like um, one thing that's kind of in like the cons uh,
1: list for me is the adverbs thing, because like you were you mentioned, I think when you said it like excessive use of adverbs, but it will actually highlight every adverb, which to me feels a little bit like whoever, you know, created Hemingway, like read Stephen King's on writing and was just like every adverb has to go.
0: No, actually, like. It does highlight every single adverb because the program can't tell which ones are good and which ones are bad, to use very simplistic terms. But I think in order to like pass its check for readability, it'll allow you to keep a couple adverbs in your text, just not over a certain number based on how long the text is. Yeah, I had a silly
1: example of this that I just thought was kind of funny because I think for me, the biggest takeaway for Hemingway is just that um, you do need to know which rules you want to break because it will highlight things where if you aren't confident in your writing, you might be like, that's a mistake, but it like might not actually be. Yeah. My favorite example of this is like in the opening chapter of my current book, there's a sentence about how like the main character's favorite reading nook is perfectly lit. And Hemingway was like, get rid of that perfectly. And I was like, so I'm just saying like her favorite reading nook is lit. (laughs) Which is obviously bad on multiple levels, like A, and that obviously is lit, but B, if you took that suggestion without having like your own critical thinking cap on and you were just like, oh yeah, that like delete adverb, you know, it's like you just have to know which rules you want to break, basically, because it'll tell you if you're breaking rules, but not necessarily like which ones you want to keep and which ones you want to get rid of.
0: Yeah, like one of the cons I listed for this one is that you can get a little caught up in like the capital R rules and like lose sight of what makes your writing fun and flowy. Being able to have a healthy dose of self-confidence and skepticism when it comes to using Hemingway is really important.
1: Also, I know that I told that silly like uh, painting a tableau of how to use Hemingway, uh, but I did want to emphasize again that um, it can be a really great resource if you just don't have time to have someone else read your writing. Because those things like the run on sentences, like it can be difficult to see those. And like another reader is probably going to catch them. But like if you just don't have time to show it to anyone else, I think it can be like a really good resource to like double check.
0: Yeah. And you can edit within Hemingway and then just copy and paste back into your word processor. It's great. Oh, Hemingway. What a good boy. Our
1: next app, we're moving more towards the productivity section of the apps, is Evernote.
0: So I also have been using Evernote for a very long time, and I started using it because it seemed like a good alternative to, like, my folders of WordPad files and the Mobile Notes app that I was also abusing. Also, I like Elephants, so it seemed like a great fit, but over time I got gradually more frustrated with it. Although it is multi-device and it has a really comprehensive tagging system, I didn't end up being a huge fan of the organizational structure. It, in the end, switched to a subscription model that limits the number of devices you can use before you switch to a paid model. And I don't know. It's never been the same since. Oh, that makes sense. I
1: feel like I'm absorbing since, like... You know, you're such a long-time user of Evernote. I'm just a baby who downloaded Evernote like two weeks ago. Tell me, what is your baby opinion? Okay, well, my first thoughts. Wow, what a titan of the organizational industry. This elephant (laughs) paved the way. I felt like the folders were really fun. Um, I like that you could import pictures and do scribbles, but I do feel like a lot of apps have that at this point. Like I used to use an app called Paper, that was kind of similar. Um, and like my biggest, my biggest thought about Evernote is that I felt like it worked decently well. I didn't run into the multiple device issue yet, obviously, because I like just you know have it on like my phone and my desktop at this point. But I do think that um, the kind of like mobile, like the notes app, that again I'm like a Mac user, so I have an iPhone and I have a Mac, and the notes like sync you know in a similar way to Evernote but since that's so built in like I think that honestly Apple Notes or iNotes or whatever it's probably called probably ripped off a lot of things that Evernote pioneered but at this point they're so similar that I'm kind of like I might be okay just continuing to use like my Apple Notes because I kind of like am more familiar with it so I don't know if I would like stick with Evernote but I'm not totally sure.
0: Yeah another option for Apple users is an app called Bear. Bear, I think, is uh, free up to a point. It's a very similar offer to Evernote, but I just like the interface more. It's a lot prettier. If they weren't Apple exclusive, I would use them, but they are. Oh
1: my gosh, bear versus elephant. It's like truly like animal versus animal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's so strange of me to side with the bear, but in the end, the elephant is the one that stays. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I could see myself using Evernote um, to organize like recipes, for example, like that was one thing where I feel like it could do that a lot better than like the Apple products can so far. I also already kind of have a system that I use with notes, which is going to sound similar to my very janky system for Word docs, but it's basically... I have a word for every project and then I write word dash and then I start typing whatever because like at a glance I can figure out what every note is about that way so it's like not as nice as folders but it's also very like quick and easy to do so like I don't know that's my that's my like uh low tech way of kind of you know doing the same thing with the app that's already on my phone.
0: Yeah one nice thing about Evernote is that they're very generous with storage and so if you're the kind of person who just likes to chuck their writing in, a, in as many places as possible to make sure that it's backed up, like me. Oh, I do that too. I'm glad that that's a thing because I definitely was like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can just toss your writing in Evernote and just, it'll just stay there and, and do nothing essentially, except be very easy to transfer across devices. The one downside though, is that um, it tends to muck up the formatting. When you transfer it into Evernote and then out into another program, just something to look out for. And then our final app
1: is Notion, which is similar to Evernote, I think, in that it's free, but there are paid tiers to it.
0: Yeah, but the difference between free and paid, I feel like, is not as uh, stark as it is with Evernote. Notion, I think you can use on as many devices as you want, for now at least. Who knows? I don't know it just seems a lot cleaner and cuter than Evernote at first glance. What
1: would you say are kind of like the key differences? Because Evernote to me seemed like it was like a note-taking app and Notion really at least was marketing itself as being all like, you have Google Drive and Dropbox and Word and you have like all these apps and Notion will like make you only have to use one thing. At least that's what it seemed like.
0: I think it has the potential to be like Evernote where you have a bunch of articles in like different categories but i think where it really shines is that you can create kind of like your own personal wiki you can create these like master articles that have a bunch of different things within them and have like a bunch of interesting like links to other things you've written or like the ability to nest stuff in a more like visually pleasing way than you could with evernote i have a friend who is like absolutely nuts about it but she's also a big design person and i think that that's what makes a big difference for her I, in the end, did not find all of these things enough to make it worth it, but the real like nail in the coffin was that when you're writing on it on mobile, you can definitely notice that it's slower than other word processing tools. Like there's a definite lag between typing and it appearing in the app. This could be because my phone is old and it is just having a hard time with life. (laughs) Oh no, Notion is so beautiful, but beauty requires so much work behind the scenes. Also, when I was experimenting with writing in in Notion, um, it mucks up the formatting even more than Evernote, which I didn't think was possible, because it treats each paragraph as its own, like, chunk of text, and it tends to not let you highlight, like, entire documents all at once to export. And not to export, but to, like, copy out of the thing. It's very strange. I haven't gone back to it really ever since.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I got too overwhelmed to really like get into it, honestly. Like I was just like, oh man, this app is all about all these other apps getting plugged into this app. And I was just like, oh God.
0: (laughs) Like at the end of the day, all I really want is like a nice safe space to put my writing that I can access it from my phone, my tablet, and my laptop, and have it be able to like seamlessly transfer between all those things and be able to like efficiently write in all of them. And like none of these quite serves that purpose, which is why I sound so negative all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to be like, oh, cool. Like, what does that? (laughs) But yeah,
1: I agree. It's weird that we can't find a way to do this. And like, I don't know about you, and Notion supposedly was supposed to fix this problem. But it's like, I got some projects that are kind of like on Google Drive, and some where it's more like they live on Dropbox, Um, not necessarily for like novel writing, but also like, you know, like there's a game that Ben and I are working on, like a board game. For some reason, like, some of that lives one place and some of it lives a different place. And like, why can't it all live in one place?
0: I think if we were to pick one of these things and just ignore all the things that we hated about it and make ourselves use it, it might be able to solve those problems for us. But in the end, nothing is
1: perfect. (laughs) That is true. And that is why there are so many writing apps, of which this is only
0: five. So pick the cons and the annoying things that you dislike the least from all of the different things we've discussed and just make that your your mainstay for all i complain about evernote i'm probably going back but she can quit anytime she wants i can quit anytime i want i don't need you but in the end being able to write on three different devices plus analog notebook is such great flexibility and i do appreciate it at the end of the day
1: yeah what a what a lovely note to to end the the quick fire on <laughs> That was the quick fire. So quick, much fire. I hope it was helpful in some way.
0: So for our next week's challenge, we have writing groups. We've both mentioned our respective writing groups on the podcast in the past, but I think this will be a chance for us to like dive in and see if writing groups actually do help with writer's block or if they are just one more way to use the time where you're not necessarily writing. Uh, true. We'll be doing some research
1: We'll be talking about writers groups that we've been in that have met online and in person um, and talking about going to a critique with complete strangers. Spooky, scary. All right. (laughs) So time for our favorite thing. Weekly Weekly
0: favorites.
1: (laughs) Hazel, your weekly favorite. I can see it in the Google Doc that we use to keep track of things. What the heck is, quote, what did you eat yesterday?
0: So what did you eat yesterday is a manga series by Fumi Yoshinaga. It was recently made into a drama series, uh, like a real life drama with actors and stuff. And I haven't read the original because I'm a fake fan, but I adored the drama so much. It brought so much joy to my life. Every single episode is just, like, a little kernel of warmth and happiness. It follows this, like, uh, middle-aged gay couple living in Tokyo, and each episode is centered around, like, what meal they happen to be eating that day, because one of them is, like, really big into cooking. The house chef is also a lawyer, his partner is a hairdresser, and it follows the trajectory of their relationship and how food impacts their lives. It's just the greatest show. I don't know how you can watch it because it's on Japanese Netflix and I don't even know how long it'll be there for. If you happen to be in Japan and you open up your Netflix app, you can watch it. What was your weekly favorite, Lizzie? Uh, Mine is a podcast
1: called The To Read List. It is actually a podcast that is made by my friend Bailey, um, but it has such a cute premise, and it really brings me such joy. Like every time there is an episode, it's basically that my friend Bailey, along with her brother and her friend Toby, they have like huge to-read lists. You know, like if you if you use Goodreads, it's called the the TBR pile, the to-be-read pile. Um, but she had, she started this podcast cause she had like 125 books that she hadn't read and she was like, I'm not going to get through them unless I have some podcast accountability here and we all start like chipping through these books. Um, so every, every week basically, or every other week, they knock a book off the two list. but then they also go out and buy books. So the two list has actually gotten larger <laughs> rather than smaller <laughs> over the course of the podcast. Anyway, it's just like a really fun podcast for like still learning more about books, even though you don't necessarily have time to read like all the books
0: good stuff i'll give it a listen
1: all right where
0: can the people find us people if you want to find us check out our twitter which is at lizzie and hazel and that's lizzie with a y you can also reach us at carrot and stick podcast at gmail.com our tumblr and our instagram are carrot and stick podcast the intro and outro on this episode and all episodes are you belong off of the album no summer no cry by slime girls and additional music is by robert Mai. See you in
1: episode eight. Hug your friends, hug your fellow writers, and write some words. Yes, good. Wish there were more cats in that, though. Only complaint.